Hey, State Street, Sean here. Quick note before we dive into the episode, we misidentified Salt Lake County District Attorney candidate Danielle Ahn in the original recording. This is a corrected version. Holy moly, midterms completed. I'm still coming down from that election day high. Also pretty sleep deprived. It's kind of like a democracy sugar rush. Couldn't have said it better myself. But yes, the election is over and we've learned a lot about the candidates, parties and voters this season. This is State Street. I'm Sage Miller. And I'm Sean Higgins. It's our last episode of the season. I know, sad. But we have the lowdown on the races we've been drilling into your head. All the election madness has nearly come to an end, and there was a little bit of everything. There were predictable outcomes in Utah. Like every single U.S. House race. And some we weren't so sure about until much later on election night. I'm looking at you, Evan McMullen and Mike Lee. And some that tell us a lot about how Utah politics is changing. Okay, to be clear, before we get into any of this, all of these results are preliminary. We will have to wait until the statewide canvas later this month for official results. Ground rules set. So, Republican Mike Lee and independent challenger Evan McMullen. Despite all the national attention on this race, it looks like conventional wisdom won out again, huh? Yep, and the incumbent prevails. Senator Mike Lee will serve his third term in Washington. Evan McMullen was not able to peel away enough Republican voters from Lee. But I will say, even though the polls had been pointing towards a Lee victory, the race was much closer than many in the GOP would have liked. As of this recording, Lee leads McMullen 55% to 42%. But it's worth noting that we're still expecting a sizable amount of ballots to be processed in Salt Lake County. Utah's most populous county broke heavily for McMullen. Although the overall margin might tighten a bit, it's probably not going to make a huge difference. So that's where we landed. But tell me about your election night, Sean. Was this your first time reporting an election in the field? On this scale, yeah. I experienced the COVID virtual election night in 2020 and did some citywide election coverage at my last gig. But being at a campaign headquarters on election night was something else. I was at the Evan McMullen camp in Taylorsville. There were no other candidates there because McMullen was running independent from the Republicans and Democrats. But there was a lot of excitement and anticipation, at least early in the evening. But it sounds like it was a little bit of a different experience for you. How was your election night? It was pretty bonkers. It was my first big league election night, too. I've helped produce election day coverage, but have never been in the thick of it as a reporter. I honestly had no idea what to expect. I was at the Utah Republican Party headquarters in downtown Salt Lake City. The room was packed by the time polls closed. A big screen displayed Fox News election coverage, and the room would cheer whenever a GOP race nationally was called. But nothing compares to when Fox News called the race for Mike Lee. Real spoiler alert there, Sage. That's what we're here for, Sean. But seriously, people were hooting and hollering, and this is just the Fox News projection. The Utah Republican Party chair, Carson Jorgensen, said they were going to wait for the Associated Press to call the race. They did not. Mike Lee gave his victory speech based off the Fox News results. There was a little bit of confusion while this was all going down. Associated Press is seen as the gold standard of election calls. So to see Lee giving a victory speech before the AP weighed in was a surprise, at least for me. 
Something I found interesting about Lee's speeches, he never mentioned McMullen. He stuck to a familiar message. Congress needs to hold the Biden administration accountable for excessive spending and limit the power of big government. And, of course, Lee reiterated his commitment to the U.S. Constitution. Here in Utah, we know that our rights, like our blessings, come from God and not from government. And we know the difference between those two things. Here in Utah, we know and we understand that the Constitution is there to keep government in its place. And we understand that it's not just there for the nice days, for the sunny days, for the easy days. It's there especially for the hard days. The days when progressives in Washington would otherwise tell us, you need to allow government to expand in ways that the Constitution could never authorize. What was it like for you being in the room with McMullen when the race was called for Lee? You know, it was really interesting. We heard McMullen's campaign say they were running ahead of their projections in some more rural and GOP-leaning counties when the first batch of results was released around 9 o'clock. And I was actually pretty surprised when McMullen took the stage about an hour and a half later to give his concession speech. And similar to Lee, McMullen conceded prior to AP calling the race. Granted, they did call it, like, 40 minutes after Fox News. Yeah, way to be hasty, guys. McMullen said he was proud to have put up a legitimate candidacy in a state as heavily Republican as Utah. Our coalition has come together to reject the politics of division and extremism. We have come together around the idea that the people should come first, not party bosses and not special interests. We've come together in a historic way. And this effort, our effort, has shown the country that there is another way forward, a more constructive way forward for our politics and for our nation. Although our coalition did not prevail, we've done something here in Utah that hasn't been done in 50 years. We rejected the politics of division and extremism, and we united. Unity is what made this election the most competitive in nearly a half a century. As for what all this means, Enter University of Utah Associate Professor of Political Science, James Curry. We spoke to him for our episode about the Senate race earlier this season. Back then, he emphasized that a Lee win would tell us politics are pretty much business as usual here in Utah. That Mike Lee winning does not mean Utah loves right-wing Trump allies. Curry spoke with State Street executive producer Caroline Ballard shortly after the AP called the race for Mike Lee. Caroline saved the day by grabbing this post-race interview while Sage and I were still huffing it at campaign headquarters into the wee hours of the night. Curry said it's not surprising Lee came away with the win, but the results did show there's a tiny little chink on the Utah GOP's armor. Take it away, Caroline. So what should we take away from this Lee-McMullen race now that we know Mike Lee has has come away with it. I think just a few things you have to take away. One, Mike Lee winning just reinforces what we know is that it's tough to beat an incumbent. And it's especially tough to beat an incumbent in a year that favors that incumbent's party. This is a year that should have been good for Republicans. You have a Democrat in the White House, which means you expect the other party to do well. Mike Lee is a Republican. 
and he's able to hang on. But at the same time, you also have to take away from this that this was a tighter race than we typically see in Utah for statewide races. Mike Lee didn't get the 65, 66, 67 percent of the vote that we're accustomed to seeing Republican candidates get in statewide races. He got less than that. And Evan McMullen put up a serious fight. Um, That suggests there's still something about some subset of Utah Republican voters that are not super comfortable with sort of the Donald Trump direction that the party has gone and have taken some of that out on Mike Lee for his connection to the former president. What surprised you about the race? I think what surprised me is how much attention it drew nationally. Um, That's something I didn't anticipate. I didn't anticipate you'd get this much outside money in a race that was going to probably be decided by double digits. But I think there's so much heat around our current politics. People have such strong feelings about what direction the Republican Party is going to go that because it wasn't as lopsided as we're used to seeing in the state, that that looked like a great opportunity for donors and the parties and these political action committees and outsiders to come in and try to see what they could get out of it, see what impact they could have. Looking more broadly, what does this election tell us about the direction Utah politics is going? I think it suggests that Utah is still different from a lot of other Republican heavy heavy states, that it's still a state that doesn't love the direction the Republican Party is going. But it also suggests that Democrats in the state are not have, are not going to be able to or don't seem like they're going to be able to take advantage of that weakening of sort of Republican control over voters, Republican influence over voters in the state. In order to make a race competitive, Democrats had to apparently nominate somebody who's not a Democrat, somebody who is essentially a conservative, and on some issues even more conservative than Mike Lee, even if he's also more middle of the road on others. So that suggests that we're not becoming a more competitive state generally, but it does suggest that the Republican Party may not have as tight control over this state and as tight loyalty and from voters in this state as it may have appeared in the past. There's a little crack. There's but... a little crack. Now, what gets done with that is a big question. Jim Curry, thanks for coming back on State Street. I hope you get some rest in the next few days and weeks. Thanks. I appreciate that. That was University of Utah Associate Professor of Political Science James Curry and the wonderful State Street executive producer Caroline Ballard. Beyond the raw results, we also have some sample voting data from the Associated Press to look at. It surveyed more than 1,800 Utah voters, and here's what it found. Young men and women alike were more poised to vote for McMullen, and by a pretty comfy margin. People aged 18 to 44 broke for McMullen by 7 percentage points. But Utah women ages 45 and up definitely didn't turn their backs on Mike Lee or the Republican Party. The same goes for men. Dudes were far more likely to stick with the incumbent than cast their vote for the independent. The AP's sample data also show education level didn't play a huge role. High school and college graduates both voted for Lee, which is interesting considering college-educated folks are usually more likely to vote Democrat, or at the very least non-Republican. Although it looks like college-educated men picked Lee, while college-educated women chose McMullen. It also broke down how Utahns voted based on party affiliation. Republicans turned out for Lee. Democrats, moderates, and independents that cast a vote mostly went for McMullen. McMullen did pull away some Republicans, but not enough to make a difference in the end. 
Turnout on the whole, though, wasn't great. Statewide, it's under 50 percent and lower than the last midterm cycle in 2018. Okay, I know the Senate race has gotten all the election attention, but there are four other congressional races we should mention, too. The U.S. House races. And here's what's up. All the incumbents won. That means Republicans John Curtis, Chris Stewart, Blake Moore, and Burgess Owens will serve another two-year congressional term. The closest race was Owens versus Democrat Darlene McDonald. In the end, Owens still handily carried the district and currently leads McDonald 63% to 31%. Don't forget, Utah's congressional districts changed this year thanks to redistricting. District 4 was a legitimate swing district until this year. Back in 2020, Owens barely squeaked out a win over former Democratic Congressman Ben McAdams. And some of the boundaries of the new District 1 switched from Representative Chris Stewart to Representative Blake Moore. That district now includes the notoriously liberal Avenues neighborhood in Salt Lake City, which historically leans heavily toward Democratic candidates. In other words, Avenues residents weren't the biggest fans of their last House representative, Stewart. And now they have more, who was the first person to have his win declared out of the Utah House races. The power of redistricting, folks. We're going to take a quick break, but when we're back, we'll talk about some of the other down-ballot races we've been keeping an eye on. You're listening to State Street. Support for State Street comes from the Hinckley Report podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about the biggest political headlines in the Beehive State. Find new episodes of PBS Utah's The Hinckley Report every Friday, wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to State Street. I'm Sage Miller. And I'm Sean Higgins. Aside from the top of the ballot races for Senate and the House, there were some pretty interesting results in some of the local races, too. And with a solid chunk of results in, it's looking like Salt Lake County leaned more towards Democrats than in past elections. Democrat Suzanne Harrison is poised to unseat Republican Richard Snellgrove in a race for an at-large county council seat. That's a huge pickup for Democrats, who suffered some pretty disappointing losses at the county council level in 2020. Earlier this season, we highlighted some down-ballot races like the one for Salt Lake County clerk between Democrat Lanny Chapman and Republican Gaud Maragani. The race for Salt Lake County District Attorney was also closely watched. Things are looking good for Democrats there, too. Chapman leads Maragani 56 to 44 percent, and incumbent DA Sim Gill leads Republican challenger Danielle Ahn 58 to 42 percent. And away from candidate races, voters wanted nothing to do with Constitutional Amendment A. It went down in flames. A.K.A. the Utah legislature won't have more power during emergency special sessions. They will still need the governor's stamp of approval for using or cutting more than 1% of the state's budget. Orem voters decided they do not want to create a new school district and will remain in the Alpine School District. But the Salt Lake City Park bond passed with flying colors. Voters in a few other counties also approved similar bonds. Utahns do love their green spaces. Okay, deep breath, Sage. This has been a fun and exhausting season. Truly. Like, like, seriously, I'm deprived. We've covered a lot in just seven episodes. And the most exciting part, Sean, we made it through the entire season without crushing the family car. But I loved it. And we hope you did, too. And maybe even learned a thing or two along the way. 
We're going to be taking a little bit of a break to sleep for like three days straight. But fret not, we will be back with more State Street at the beginning of 2023. Just like that, election season ends and the Utah legislative session begins. In January. But before we know it, 45 Days of Madness begins where hundreds of bills will get proposed, debated, and voted on. A few lucky ones might even get the governor's signature and become law. And we'll both be in the room where it happens, up on Capitol Hill. I thought we already addressed that it's good that we don't have a career in Broadway, Sean. But I also haven't seen Hamilton, so I know, blasphemy, it's just too long and I don't have the attention span. That does it for this episode and season of State Street. I'm Sean Higgins. And I'm Sage Miller. The show's executive producer is Caroline Ballard. Editing and production support comes from Elaine Clark and David Childs. Our digital team includes Jim Hill, Renee Bright, Raquel Davis, and Eleanor Gomberg. State Street is a production of KUER. If you're a fan of the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. It helps other listeners find State Street. From KUER.